I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist Church. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the new uh, minister here. I'm going to take that new off after this week. This will be three Sundays. I'll just be the minister here at Memorial United Methodist. If you are a visitor here uh, today, we're so glad to have you. Um, we're grateful to have anybody come and try our church, and we hope that you'll feel welcome today and um, ask us any questions as to where the restrooms are or where the children go or where the donuts are there in the back. Those are the three uh, critical questions. Um, things that are on the tables today. There's a box back there that has tomatoes. If you like tomatoes, they are fresh and they are a free gift. Though on the back um, tables in the black will be your quarterly uh, financial statement after the worship service, both this Sunday and next Sunday. Um, today we're collecting the items, remember gently used items for uh, the scouts. Stephen Green is the son of our Troop 107 director, Mark Green, and they talked to us last Sunday about collecting gently used items, and they are in the parking lot across the street over there. If you forgot and you're running home, you don't live that far, just run home, bring them back. I think they'll be here um, until one o'clock. Um, I want to give you um, something to celebrate each week in our worship services. Um, I've actually got two things to celebrate this week. Um, we heard Leanna Morris talk to us about what she was going to do, and if y'all are on Facebook, you've seen the pictures of her having such a great time there. If you are not on Facebook, um, I'll tell you that you can see her smiling from ear to ear with the kids, and so I think that is uh, tremendous news that she's having a great time and impacting those kids. Specifically for this space, the um, good news for the week is we've added a column of chairs on the outside on both sections, and I think we'll continue to add um, columns of chairs until we go back. So it's uh, our space is um, growing here today. If you have prayer concerns, um, if you are, would like your concern to be known and prayed for both in the service, it can be anonymous, but the situation, if you would like it to be prayed for in the service, um, you can raise your hand and ushers will bring you a card those uh, cards will be given to me, and then they'll be given to the Tuesday prayer group uh, to pray for you throughout the week. Um, and we also will pass an attendance register today. Make sure that you sign that if you're a visitor today. If you have any way that you would like us to contact you um, by phone or email, we will be um, happy to do that. I believe that's every announcement. So let's uh, turn our hearts towards God and start with our worship service. Will you stand and let's worship together? I want to live my life 
above all things you glorify. A song of your faithfulness, a song of your grace, and of your love and kindness, to the glory of your name. With everything that's in me, Lord, listen to me say, I want to sing a song to you, I want to sing a song. I sing about your mercy, and I sing about your love, your goodness, Lord, your righteousness. I want to sing a song of your faithfulness, a song of your grace, and of your love and kindness, to the glory of your name. With everything that's in me, Lord, listen to me say. I want to sing a song to you. I want to sing a song. We'll sing holy, holy, holy. We'll sing holy, holy, holy. We'll shout holy, holy. Are you Lord Almighty? We'll sing holy, 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 and we'll sing holy, 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 we'll shout holy, holy, are you Lord Almighty? I want to sing a song to you, I want to sing a song. Let's pray. Gracious God, how grateful we are to be able to come together this morning and sing your praises and to learn about you and worship you and praise your name with our voices and our thoughts and our actions. Thank you for this beautiful day that you have created for us and for this space that you have provided for us to come together and for this church family that we can lean on and depend on and grow with. Focus our hearts and minds now on you so that we can prepare to worship your name. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
you. I want to take your word and shine it all around. First, help me just to and greet your neighbor and children are welcome to come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. How is everybody? Have y'all ever played hide and seek? How do you play hide and seek? What do you do? Okay, that's perfect. Do you think anybody has ever played that game with God? Have you ever thought about that? Some yeses, some noes. Do you remember the story of Adam and Eve? After they had eaten the fruit that God told them not to eat, they heard God walking in the garden. And they were ashamed of what they had done, and they didn't want God to find them. So what did they do? They ran, and they hid in the trees. Did God find them? Yeah, he did, because you can't hide from God. What about the story of Jonah that we're talking about every Sunday this month? God told him to go to a place called Nineveh and tell the people there to repent of their sins because what they had been doing was wrong. But what did Jonah do? Did he want to do what God asked? No. So he ran and tried to hide. Did God find him? Yeah, he did. Where did Jonah end up? Where did Jonah find himself? That's right, in the belly of the fish. The Bible tells us that God chose David to be the king of Israel because he was a man after God's own heart. That story is in Acts. But even David did things that weren't pleasing to God. There were probably times when David wished he could hide from God, but he also knew that that was impossible. So here's what David said. O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow behind me. 
you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from you. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, can we hide from God? No. To you, the night shines just as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. So we can't hide from God. We can't play that game with him. He knows all about us. He knows what we're going to do and say before we do it or say it. So it's really silly to think about playing that game with God. And besides, the reason that God is seeking us is because he loves us so much and all he wants to do is bless us. So we would never want to hide from that, right? No. Okay. Will you say our prayer with me this morning? Repeat after me. Dear Father, we are so thankful that even though you know everything about us, You love us anyway. We love you. Amen. Um, I know um, people are coming in and we're coming in at all different sorts of times and people are speaking to you and all sorts of stuff. I, I want to give you the option every Sunday to fill out a card for us to pray for you or for your family or for a situation. Um, and I want to uh, tweak this practice and uh, give you the ability to raise your hand for a prayer concern, but not necessarily have it read in worship, but have it prayed for by our Tuesday group. I've, I've sat in with them a couple times. You talk about a faithful, passionate group about prayer. Um, so if you would like to raise your hand um, in the future and have a prayer and just put just Tuesday at the top, um, I won't read it in worship, um, but they'll pray for it on Tuesday. Um, so our concerns raised up today are for a safe trip home, uh, for our son and family, and for Shirley who found a spot on her lung, and for Mary Beth who and her family. Uh, who lost her father. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, with both those concerns and the ones unsaid. Heavenly Father, we pray to you because we know that you are listening. We know that you are anxious for us to communicate just like a parent of a child in college. You're hoping that we reach out to you and ask for strength. You're hoping that we ask to cry on your shoulder we're hoping that, uh, you're hoping that we ask for wisdom, for ideas going forward, for love, because we know that you offer them all to us. Surround us this morning, Lord, as we read the text of a man who is proclaiming hard news to people. And for the people's response, 
for his passion, for your pursuing grace. Open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day, Lord, and inspire us as we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs> okay. Um, this half of my sermon fell out of my notebook somewhere. <laughs> Let's see if I know it well enough to do it. Okay? Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So here's the question. Why do people have to say something a second time? It's because... Um, the people who are hearing it might not hear it as well as they should. Uh, I googled why do people not listen and I found some interesting uh, reasons. One, it said people can speak at 250 to 300 words a minute, but they can listen to 300 to 500. And so the person who is speaking, who's thinking about what they're doing, has to slow down, has to gather their thoughts. There are very few people who can just keep rolling with words. And you, as the listener, can hear, you can consume more than they're giving you. And so you start thinking, your mind starts wondering as they are telling you what they're telling you. Second reason is um, you disagree. We uh, have never had a dog before, and we have a dog now. His name is Baxter. We got him at the um, uh, Humane Society over by the downtown Greenville Airport. He's a Dachshund Basset mix, friendly, handsome little fellow. Um, sometimes when I'm walking with him, our size discrepancy, I feel like I'm a little, I'm a little vain about it. Sometimes I walk, through, I walk by a group of five construction guys and I'm walking by with them. And bow up a little bit, bud. Look a little, <laughs> look a little big for him. Uh, but that, you know, that's just vanity. But he's a good boy. It's not always his idea to do what I want him to do, whether I want him to stay or whether I want him to uh, come or whether I want him to eat or whether I want him to stop eating the thing that fell on the floor. So two basic reasons. Our brain goes faster than many people can talk and we disagree with what was said. So he says, when Jonah went there a second time, the reason he's being told a second time is because in chapter one, God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and tell them we've got to do something or else that city will be destroyed. Jonah said, that's amazing, I hate that city. Let's go ahead and destroy it. He gets on a boat, he's in a storm, He's thrown off the boat. He's in a belly of a whale. And in the belly of the whale in chapter 2 that we read last week, he prays, you are a merciful Lord. You are kind and forgiving. And I will listen. 
very similar to um, one of two reactions to a child in timeout. One being, I'm so sorry, the other being atomic doubling down with more bad behavior. But he, in the belly of the whale, says, I, um, I'm going to celebrate you. He spit out. And this is the second time. He says, go to that great city and proclaim my word to them. So let's see what the text says next. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. So numbers, 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 numbers. Why do numbers matter in Scripture? Because they tell a significant thing. What numbers do you see there in the text? Three and 40. Where have you heard three before in Scripture? It's three days. Uh, the Trinity. Um, other things. Three wise men. That's good. Solid. There it is. How about 40? Noah. Yeah, that's right. And um, Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days, right? Um, the Israelites wandered in the desert. Um, 40 often is a time of great trial or great separation of yourself from society in order to figure it out. Um, I don't know how many of you have been involved in Emmaus, um, but I was asked by a member of Buncombe Street for um, a good two and a half years before I participated in it. And when you participate in Emmaus, you're taken away um, from, I mean, you're here, but you're taken away from culture for um, something like three and a half days, and you leave your phone. You don't believe how many times you turn to your phone uh, in that period of time. And um, I'm actually trying my best not to be obsessed with my phone and that even, uh, even, even in that effort, it was a long time to not see um, who emailed, to not see who wrote, to not see uh, what insane thing is on Facebook, or to not see um, latest sports course. Separating yourself for 40 days is a long time. And so Jonah is walking into the city. It takes a three days journey. The city of Nineveh has crushed Jonah and his nation a number of times, and so he's walking into a place that can be rather violent. He's walking into a rather dark place, almost like Jesus walking into Jerusalem. And on the first day, it says it takes three days to walk across the city. On the first day, he's proclaiming, you have 40 days to get better, to fix it, and then Nineveh will be overturned. Let's see what the scripture says next. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. How many people do you think listen to prophets? Uh, people struggle to listen to prophets. The people that are the prophets' people struggle to listen to prophets. And that's because when times are really, really good, the prophet says, uh, yeah, I mean, they're financially good or they're politically good, but we're not doing our best in terms of faithfulness to God. And people go, 
We've got the financial and the political. What do we need? Surely God will bless our financial and political um, thriving. We don't need to listen. And in times when prophets spoke to people when their uh, nation was decimated by surrounding nations, and the prophet says, uh, this is not the end of us. This is not the end of God. People look around with their eyes and they say, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Look at us. The things that I see with my eyes tell me it's over. And the prophet says, that's absolutely not right. There's more to come. There are more special things to come. And so these aren't even his people. And what's their response to him? People change. Uh, verse 6 is funny. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Do you know who kings have to listen to? Nobody. Do you know who, what foreign people kings have to listen to? Especially nobody. Let me tell you about Nineveh, because I've got no notes back. Nineveh is an important junction for commercial routes crossing the Tigris, highway between the Mediterranean Sea and the Indian Ocean, thus uniting east and west. Is that a big deal? In terms of commerce, that's a huge deal. Received wealth from many sources, so it became one of the greatest of all the region's ancient cities and is the capital of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. You talk about total wealth. You talk about total power and influence, and you found your way to being the king of that place. Who do you have to listen to? Nobody. And that king takes off all his royal robes and puts on sackcloth. Are you all familiar with that term with sackcloth? It's a burlap deal, I'm guessing. Um, but you're dropping, think about comfortable plush royal robes and the coolest crown in the region, and you're dropping all that for a burlap sack and, letting, and sitting down in ashes and letting everyone know um, that it's important that we change. So it's hard to imagine for me any reason that they would listen. I'm a huge sports fan, and I listen to national sports radio more than I listen to regional sports radio. And national guys make fun of, a certain, of certain cities and their allegiance to sports. Um, New York, even given its size, is fairly passionate about sports. Um, Boston, given its size, still passionate about sports. Um, why do you think people make fun of Atlanta? Um, there's total churn in and out of Atlanta. There's, there's no connection. I've spent, I mean, a lot of people spent time in Atlanta. And so um, with a basketball team that hadn't had much history, a football team that had had much success, except, you know, the last five or six years, and a baseball team that people consistently got um, used to them being a playoff team, that passion just isn't there. But they say Atlanta's way better than Miami. You know why Miami is terrible? Because they got a thousand fun things to do. And so they say, uh, Miami is a terrible sports city. Hopefully this isn't insulting anybody. They say Los Angeles 
isn't a great sports city because there are so many other things to do. It's so big. It's so entertaining. It's so much fun that you aren't passionate. One of the national sports guys makes fun of San Diego saying, if you get a professional coaching job in San Diego, you will never be fired because it's always 72 degrees there. Everybody's just at the beach. They're having a good time. They're not worried about it. So Nineveh uh, strikes me as one of these cities that has so many other things going on and so much power and influence that there'd really be no reason for them to listen. Yet when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. So I'll tell you another reason this is interesting is the dynamic between prophets and kings. Okay, how many of you have heard of David and Nathan? Okay, Nathan's a prophet. King David, um, total war hero, built a lot of amazing things, yet had some flaws that he really struggled with, and Nathan would have to correct him on a consistent basis. Now, think about going to the man that could end you in a hurry and telling him, you know, I don't think that was really the best thing you could have done in that situation. Think what bravery it would take to speak that truth to that person. You have a hard time telling a person that they um, uh, do something weird with a napkin at lunch that drives you crazy? Or telling someone that when they make a phone call during a certain period of time, it drives you crazy? We more often just keep it to ourselves and stew over it over the next seven years. And then when they do something like leave a... Um, uh, fork on the couch, we blow up over the whole last seven years of holding that in. Because we, there's something about us just not wanting to say something to someone. Imagine Nathan having to say that to him. But when Nathan speaks to David, even though he has harsh words, in many cases David listens. There is, um, there's a mutual respect between those two. I'll tell you another one. Uh, Elijah and Ahab. Um, Ahab, if I get this right, um, Ahab's father made alliances that secured the nation's political and economic interests for a period of time, but he made them in marriages in which the people they were marrying were of a totally different religious faith and were trying to swing them, uh, swing Ahab and his people to that different religious faith. So, uh, Elijah says to Ahab, this really isn't cool, this relationship that you have, and the way that she, Jezebel, is drawing us all away to foreign gods. How do you think Jezebel feels about that? Heated. How do you think Ahab responds to Jezebel being totally heated? Well, we got to get him out of here. It was a total hostile relationship between Elijah and Ahab. I'll give you a worse one. John the Baptist. When John the Baptist had to speak to Herod, there were actually um, multiple Herods, and at this period of time, the um, land is divided among kings, and he asked to speak to a particular Herod about um, 
the way in which he married his brother's wife. And he has to say that that wasn't cool. What do you think the brother's wife thinks about him saying that wasn't cool? If you don't like it. Guess what Herod has to do about her not liking it? Her daughter dances in a way that Herod uh, is totally impressed and says, I'll give you anything you want. And she says, well, I want John the Baptist gone. And so Herod does it. The nature of relationship between prophet and king is at best very hard truth between people who respect each other and at worst telling the truth and it costs you your life. So there are multiple examples of that, but the interesting part is that he goes to a foreign land, Nineveh, Jonah does, and he says to the king, I'm going to need y'all to change. He actually doesn't even say to the king, he says to the people. Word gets to the king, and the king listens more than any king has ever listened to any prophet. Do y'all remember why Jonah didn't want to tell the people of Nineveh to change? He's totally ecstatic that they'd go away. So is it possible for the most reluctant prophet to get the most enthusiastic response from a king? Isn't that crazy that that would happen? The king issues a decree. And verse 8 is, But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So, um, have you ever figured that some cause was just over? It was lost. You couldn't reach a person. Whatever it was that they were saying or whatever it was that they were doing or whatever it was they weren't saying or whatever it was they were not doing, there was no hope for them changing. And you think, I'm just going to let it lie. Or that's their fault anyway for being in that position. Let them deal with it. This scripture should inspire you. It should inspire you that a man who felt he in no way, shape, or form should be going to reach out to these people. And a king who very rarely listens to anyone came together and changed everything on a level that even the cattle were wearing sackcloth. Y'all want to see some cattle wearing sackcloth? <laughs> Let's make the cattle repentant and wear sackcloth. It's crazy. It's an amazing turn of events from the moment in which Jonah started running. What's another way you can be inspired? Well, if you think, if you know those little nudges you get, whether it be a voice inside your head or whether it be God speaking to you, hey, you ought to go do that. And you go, mm -hmm. you're probably not hostile to it. You're just scared of it. I don't, know, I don't know if I should say anything. I don't know if I should do anything. And you miss the opportunity. You think to yourself, what are, the, what are the ways that I miss the opportunity the most? If, if I reflected on myself in 15 years of ministry, the opportunity that I've missed the most is speaking to someone, fearing that there was something I should know about them that I don't know. 
And so um, not naturally being uh, totally outgoing, I just sort of avoid that person altogether and go over and speak to someone else, you know? Just out of total fear that I'd say something stupid um, to someone thinking that there was a connection and there wasn't. You think, um, how have I missed that opportunity and piled on myself and thought, there's no more opportunities left. This is it. This scripture should inspire you. Because there are many, many more opportunities constantly offered to you to do the thing that is being um, come from your heart and your mind to reach out in God's name. So chapter one, go do it. No, I'm good. Chapter two, um, wow, you are so merciful, God, and I'd love for you to be merciful in this moment when I'm in this whale stomach. And three, a king changed everything and responded to the grace that was offered by God. What's going to be interesting is what's in chapter four? What is going to happen after this exchange has been made, the people have been forgiven, and they're going to be going forward? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the grace and mercy that you offer us all both in people coming to us, uh, hoping to alter our behavior or our words or inspire our behavior and our words, for the grace that you offer us as the ones who are supposed to be going to change others and have missed those opportunities. You continue to call us, and we're grateful. Help us to understand how much you have pursued us so that we must understand how we can pursue others. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our affirmation together, found on the screen. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God, who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We now have a time of our ushers coming forward, and we'll um, give our offering for today. Lost our city, found their way, that sound. Your great name, all condemned, feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Everything has no place at the sound of your great name, the enemy. 
sound of your great name. Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. The Son of God and man, you are high and lifted up. All the world will praise your great and let's worship together. All of my days, I 
grateful to have all of you today. Thank you, Caitlin, for joining the band. It's cool to have you up there. Um, I want to remind y'all of something. Oh yeah, clap it up. Um, I said it in traditional. I'm not certain that I said it in here if my mind was scattered, but I'm going to be meeting with every one of you that would like to meet in small groups of 10 to 12 over the next four months to hear your story of your time at Memorial, to hear what you want to celebrate about Memorial, and to hear your dreams about Memorial. I announced it last week, and some people called the church office and said, um, I want to make sure that I'm part of the group that you talk to. It's not something where I'm just going to meet with a group of 12 people. It's something where I'm going to meet with you in groups of 10 to 12 people until it's done, as long as it takes. Um, uh, in your homes, in our home, in the church, whatever it takes, we're going to do that. Um, so I want to make sure you all know that, and I don't know quite how we're going to do it logistically yet, um, but we are, we have some brains here, and we're going to do that. So um, with that being said, uh, receive the benediction. Uh, go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. So fan the flame with your So there's no doubt or denying. Let it burn so brightly that everyone around can see that it's you, that it's you that we need.
heart of fire in me. Have a blessed week.